Warning, this episode contains adult language, mature situations, violent torture, luchador masks, jewel thieves, soft teddy bears, and deviously deadly traps. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 84. It was supposed to be an easy job. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sparkin Movie Reviews, some podcast inventing reviews about connectly enhanced narratives. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, buongiorno, and what's up on this lovely Friday evening. And with me once again, what else we say? Cinematographer, producer, and... Jack of all trades. Yes. For uh, Haywire. Haywire Series, net, I believe? Dot com. Dot com. Haywire Series dot com. Dot com. <laughs> Oh, God. At least I didn't say the Jeff Fafa. <laughs> Too late! <laughs> Jeff Fafa. Yes. And you're in episode 19, I believe. Yes, and it has been a wild ride so far. Really been digging the episode so far. Thanks. Like my cameo, too. Very nice, very nice. For those of you who don't know, Spire and Society that provides information we are connected to the narratives. Episode, we talk about one to two movies, depending on the situation and or if we have time for it, or if we're comparing movies or if we're just doing something random. We generally talk about these movies, tell you what's good about it, what's bad about it, how the actors are, how the cinematography is, how the music is, and if it's worth watching or not. You don't have to agree with anything we say, but I've heard we're a little bit entertaining just a little bit you can find us at www.sparkin.com you can email us sparkin.gmail.com I'm at zansparkin.com and you can check out all of Lou's stuff at as we said heywireseries.com and also at a con possibly near you yeah <laughs> walking around and doing what else and before you get into this now this movie made me think of a lot of the a lot of stuff and the big thing I really want to bring up is the influx of the we're going to say the gore factor in horror films because they're no longer about the suspense it's no longer the drama it's now just how can we make people cringe like there's no tomorrow right yeah and and, you know there you have a couple of you know it's always been there but uh it wasn't so prevalent as you know when the hostile movie came out and saw came out so yeah i mean that that it's like right how can we get people to just you know shut their eyes, you know, because everybody's got some phobia against uh, having their Achilles heel cut and, you know, their Achilles tendon cut. and Yeah, so it's just, uh, yeah, how can we creep people out by showing them gory stuff? I mean, on the other hand, you have the gore where it's like the, you know, it's like the old film, like Mark of the Devil, where it's like, this movie's so scary, you get a vomit bag. Right. And then you watch and you're like, really? Sign this, you know, sign this waiver, because we can't help it if you die of a heart attack. Personally, I prefer, I want to go back to the days of things like The Tingler. For those of you who don't know, The Tingler was a movie which was innovative. It was actually uh, made fun of in the movie Matinee with John Goodman. It's the whole gimmick was, you'd go in the theater and they talk about The Tingler. And then suddenly, it would be released in the theater somewhere. And the funny thing is that in certain seats, they had rigged it so there were buzzers oh, or okay. shockers or things that people would run out on the stage. 
and it's a it's a, it was an inventive way to scare people, and it was like a movie. It was like actual an old school movie house. I wish they had that uh, implemented in some movies because I'll tell you, sometimes you go to see these things and it's a big snore fest. So maybe maybe they could bring that back. With well, a lot of movies, I think it'd be really good, especially if you have 3D glasses on and then someone just runs out. You'd be like, "That's so real, man!" <laughs> oh god. It's like Bachelor Party, where the guy gets punched in the face. Oh man, that was a great scene. Well, oh, yeah, where, where she, where yeah, where she gets punched in the face, and she's like, "Wow, that's so real." That was such a good movie. We have to do that movie eventually. Talk about Bachelor Party versus The Hangover. I think do a comparison, contrast. Mm, yeah. But um, you know, you have a lot of these horror movies, and I mean, the thing is, is this the natural progression, or is this where it's going with horror movies? Is that where we're going to end up? One of these? No, I think you know it comes in it comes in cycles. You know, um, those movies were really popular for a little while. This is maybe the tail end of that popularity. I'd like to think. I'd like to hope. Let's mm. you know. Let's try to get some uh, some good. Um, I don't know. I think you know thrillers are you know always been my favorites. You know, I want that. I want that psychological thriller. Um, you can still creep me out. It doesn't have to be gory. It doesn't have to have a lot of blood. Um, just creep me out. Just figure out a way of creeping me out. I mean, it's a good way to do that. I mean, because the thing is, we progressed, apparently, from what I... The trend I saw was it went from these super gory films, released by Lionsgate, of course, yeah. to now you have the um, amateur films, which were started by Blair Witch, which really came out in Paranormal Activity, and then the new movie, which essentially was Paranormal Activity. Mm. And the thing was... In the last film that came out, and I'll, I'll spoil it a little bit, in Dark Skies, one of the trends in all these films is people are too dumb to leave the house. Yeah. In Dark Skies, they say, we're leaving the house. And the expert, the stereotypical expert says, yeah, that's not going to matter. They're going to follow you even if you move move away. All right, right. Or the other, or a different movie where the twist is that the thing is, it wouldn't have happened if they had stayed in the house. The minute they left, that's what was the catalyst. Right. But we're in that, and I mean, where are we going to go next in this? I mean, are we going to go far, far away? And hello, guest! How are you doing today? Goodbye, guest. <laughs> oh. oh, hello again! Hi, guest! How are you doing? Are you listening? Send us a message on either the chat, or send it to us on Twitter at, at Spirakin, S-P-R-A-K-N. You can see it at the end of my name. Um, for some reason, it's not really showing up, but hey, hopefully you're here to entertain you just a little bit. But, anyway, so as we were saying, you have so many violent things going on. So, but, I mean, should we go back to just a straight-up thriller film like uh, Rope or what was the one with the blind lady who she kind of witnessed a murder but not really? Oh, um... The Hitchcock film where she witnessed the murder and the whole ending climax is that she's in, she lives in the basement and they're after her and she's about to get away and then she knocks the fridge open, thinks she's being stealthy and they see her perfectly. What movie was that? It's oh. not coming to mind... But, I mean, anyway, you can go with Psycho or North by Northwest or... Yeah, I think, yeah, like I said, uh, psychological thrillers are have always been effective. Just figure out a way of doing them um, well. That's what you got to do. Yeah, there's, it's always... you got to have a good way, a good hook to do it. I mean, there are some really good horror movies which are just the psychological factor for it. I'm trying to think of a really good one that would stand out where there was no gore. It was just the anticipation. I mean, you can go with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. There virtually was no real gore in it. Right. It was mainly the anticipation and just, well, seeing a decrepit old man in a wheelchair. Right. And trying to give him a hammer and he just keeps dropping it. Well, I mean, it's kind of a cheat, though, because, uh, you know, Toby Hooper really, he really put everybody in the cast and the crew through hell. So, I mean, so some of that was like, you know, they weren't acting. They were really, <laughs> you know, they were really uh, subjected to some of the stuff that, that you see. So. Oh, hey, 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 Mendez, how you doing? We have, we, but anyway, back to our thing. He did put him through hell, but I think there were some really great shots and some reactions, like the reaction of him just going the, yeah, with the hammer. Yeah, which is like, the reaction was just brilliant. Right. But still, I... I can't watch that movie anymore because I saw a YouTube clip of them doing the entire ending sequence to Benny Hill. Oh, no, that's not right. It made it not as scary because you just see old man, you do, 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 just dropping it, drop, then Leatherface running after the girl with the chainsaw going. That's not right. 
Uh, that could make any horror movie really good if you do that. You just show, you, if you want to make someone, like, have fun with it, just put it fast forward and put in Benny Hill's Yakety Sax, and you'll love it. Oh. Could be Friday the 13th, it could be Halloween. No, that would be blasphemy. That would be, but it's, no, the new one, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Oh, yeah, yeah, you could, you could tear that one up. That's fine. Even though that was, that was crazy, and I don't know. You have the progression, you've gone from this point to this point to this point, and what are the elements which make the thriller better than this gore factor film, you think? Well, usually it's story. The formula for putting together a good supernatural thriller or a psychological thriller, the story's got to be pretty beefy, and you just you just tweak it with weirdness. Um, and you, you play on people's phobias, and you, you, know, you do that kind of stuff, and that'll make a... usually will make for a good movie. The ones that rely heavily on the gore and the shock factor, well, you know, they, they're, they're story light and, you know, they, they know that they're putting, you know, they're, they're putting all their worth into the, you know, the, the effects and, you know, just blood and gallons of fake blood and, and effects and that's it, you know, that, uh, you know, and that will satisfy a certain, you know, a certain, you know, demographic, you know, yeah, that's all they want. You know, there's uh, 16-year-olds and 18-year-olds that don't really, they, they don't get engrossed in a story. They just want to be, oh, man, do you remember? It went through his finger and then, you know, well, okay, great, you know. I mean, other people are going because they want their girlfriend to be scared and then they go from here to there the other place. Right, 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 yeah. On that hand, too, which was, it's always a good way to do it. But I do agree that there are some Aspects. What about on the other hand, where you have it's all ambiance and story, but no gore? Examples: a lot of the the Asian films, the Asian horror stories. Mm. I mean, look at Juon, uh, The Grudge, or Ringu, The Ring. Right. Those ones were minimalist. Yeah. And they kind of were effective, but on the other hand, things like Pulse were terrible. It's it's a fine line you have to go on, you know. Yeah. Yeah, some some pull it off and they do it right, and then some people, you know, they kind of fall short, and that may be, you know, that may be because they're biting off more they can chew, you know, when when it comes to you know the the you know the cinematography or you know or they're just you know they they didn't they didn't get you know how they didn't get to you know where where to put the camera in order to be effective you know in scaring somebody or creeping somebody out. Yeah. Uh, like you know, oh wow, you know that would have been more effective. If it was like right in the person's grill. Like if if I saw the, you know the the reaction in the people's eyes to what you know what was going on, what was being done to them. Like that would really put me into the story and would put me into that you know that that space. Like oh man, that that would be horrible if it happened to me. But um, you know, it's like oh you know the camera was too far away, so uh, you know I, I felt kind of removed from the situation. You know, I didn't really feel like I was connected to to what was going on. Sometimes it's as simple as that. The connection noises and also the reaction of the actual actors. I mean, for example, we'll use them um, in Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards, hmm. which we've reviewed. Um, we talked about this earlier. There's a scene when Christoph Wentz strangles Bridget... Um, what's her name? Hmm. And it's not him, actually. It's Quentin Tarantino. And he actually strangled her to get that reaction, that sound, that motion. Yeah. And, I mean, sometimes, I mean, directors like, I mean, supposedly, what's his name? Uh, Hitchcock did that, too. Yeah. And that's the reaction you want to get. You want to get that. Right, right, right. That. Yeah, sometimes, you know, and. and To get that zoom in. Yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, the actors, their method that way. You know, they, they want to, you know, they want to feel that, you know, that slap across the face in order to, to have that, you know. Four to five seconds after, you know, you know, recovering from the hit, you know, to to look genuine, they ha- you know, sometimes they they just they don't have it in them to give a genuine look, and uh, it just takes you know actual physicality to have it, you know, to get it work. Hey, we're not gonna have another Max, um, what's his name from from Nosferatu who went to that insane length to just. Yeah, and who was the the other, the other? There was another director that was known for like slapping his uh, his uh, his actors around, you know. Uh, probably Ridley Scott. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I wasn't thinking Ridley Scott actually. The, um, or the governor, as they call him on the commentary. That's it's horrible. Yeah, something a little older, and I can't think of the guy's name. But anyway, I don't know. But anyway, so we'll go to the point of now, and since we're rounding this out, there's a reason for this, folks. Now, the last thing is. We have the ambiance. The music is the key. 
Because mm-hmm. sometimes it could be something so simple as three notes. Yeah. That'll make a movie insanely scary. Yeah. And you know the film I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. That movie, it's just three notes, and it scares the shit out of everybody. Yeah. And, but, you have, you have the music, you have the ambiance, you have the story. The last thing is the villain of the piece. You need something different. You need something unique. And most films, you have five different, for horror films, you have five different types of categories. First category is you have the typical, I'm just a killer who, the reason is for passion or so revenge or something like that. Sometimes they're scary, sometimes they're not. It's it's one of those, you know, the cat and mouse games. Mm-hmm. Have that. You have a typical supernatural villain. The Freddy Kruegers, the... Uh, would you say Jason is a supernatural killer? Yeah, I mean, at the level that he's at, you know, well, in this but, franchise. And yeah, yeah, now, but he originally did, he wasn't. He didn't start out that way, yeah, exactly. But after a while, it's like, alright, we, you know, we gotta show that he's, uh, you know... You More won't, than uh, human, you know? Superhuman. Yeah. Because we can't put this guy through the mill the way he's been through yeah. and, and you know, expect people to be like, oh, come on. Really? Yep. He, he took a four bullets to the chest. All right. Next, you have, the, you have those villains who are, like, the really supernatural, who are the, the leprechauns, pinhead. They are ethereal beings who they're there. They have a reason why they're there. Mm. They might be human. They might not be. There's... If I'm making no sense, please post the, the notes or stop me if you want, Lou. But the last one, I think that was the last one, I think it's five, is the ones which have no reason. There is no reason why they're doing this. There is no, there is no arguing with them. There is no, there, there is no method to this madness. It's just they doing it, they're doing it because they can. Right. And those are the more impactful films because there are situations where there is no logic and it could happen. It's like, Comparing Jeepers Creepers to mm, Vacancy or The Strangers. So. Right. I mean, they're not doing it because... Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah. Um, funny Games. Yeah, it's... You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's... The Strangers, which is an amazing film. Yeah, very good film, yeah. It's just, they're not doing it because they want to hurt you or they're trying to get revenge or they, they were cursed for some reason. They're just doing it because they can. Yeah, they're twisted, disturbed individuals and, you know, that, that's all they know. And we get to the point we were talking about, which is the film. It's a nice little transition into this film. Now, this film, it came out in 2009. There's one sequel. It was directed by Marcus Dunstan. I don't even know what he's done. Do you know anything he's done? No, aside from the collection, no. I don't know. Yeah, no, he just did this film, this film, and he worked on the Saw series. Right, that's correct. Oh, and... and the Mines, the front, yeah, but it was, I think it was Saw, like, 5, 6 or something. Like, he was later on in the series. And he was in Project Greenlight. Was he? The third installment of it. Okay. So he's not that bad. He's also an actor in some of his films. He was in Feast 3, he was in The Candidate, and he was in Piranha 3 Double D, which did not have any boobs in it. Okay. Which depressed me greatly. And then he also wrote the film, and now the film is starring a bunch of people who most of us have never heard of. I mean, our main protagonist, which his name is going to be Josh Stewart, who's actually been in a lot of films. He usually plays, um, generally he plays Israelis. Really? Yeah, I'm, or, or Middle Easterns. I mean, in, the, in Dark Knight Rises, he played Barzad, the, the henchman to Bane. It's also in Grimm. He was in Rehab. He was on Criminal Minds. As, He's done a lot of TV, it looks like. He was in Southlands. He was in... Curious Case of Benjamin Button. He's in a lot of movies, and he was in that. What else? You have Michael Riley Burke, who I'm convinced, I'm probably wrong, but he's got to be related to Billy Burke. He has to be. Let's go to the trivia. And, and ironically, his most famous role is as Ted Bundy. Oh, really? Ted Bundy. And he was in Mars Attacks, apparently. <laughs> Mars Attacks. Wow. Who was he in Mars Attacks? I will, I have to see who the hell he was. When was it? That was in 1994? Earth 2, he was in Sequest. He was in Star Trek Connection. He doesn't have much in the way of trivia. He's the, he lost 20 pounds for his role in Ted Bundy. That's it? That's it. That's all they, that's it. That's all they gave him. So he's not related to him. Oh, well. And he's a Sagittarius, which makes me feel very sad. Um... Okay, in Mars Attacks, he was just a generic person who got vaporized. <laughs> nice. 
And it was in Vampire Diaries. I don't know if that's a credit or discredit. That's a discredit. All right. You had An- Andrea Roth. You had Carly Scott Collins. Madeline Zima, who she's very cute, but surprisingly, and she's very hot, but she has a super bra, which just magically appears. Yes. Well, you know, uh, the, we were distracted. Yeah, but this would... Uh, anyway... And, of course, our villain of the piece, Juan Fernandez, has... Juan, the collector. Juan Jesus something de Fernandez. (laughs) Yes, the collector. And he's one of those guys. He has... There's no rhyme or reason for what he's doing. The sequel, they try to give him a rhyme and reason, but there's no rhyme or reason for what he's doing. He's doing this just because he wants to. Because he can. That's what... Those are the ones that scare me the most. And his methodology, his way he moves and what he does, his reactions are really actually very scary. His execution, though, is a little bit... Well, I mean, without giving too much away, but you don't really see much in the way of his reactions because, uh, well, he's... Um... He's wearing a luchador mask. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing a mask. So you don't ever really get to see his face. Um... You only see him emote through his eyes, which most of the time it seems like they, they did some visual effects to it to, to give him almost like a, uh, a Riddick kind of, uh, you know, retinal, you yeah. know, I don't know, like, yeah, you, you've, seen, you've seen the shine back from his retinas, so it's, I don't know, it's kind of weird. So, guest, have you, or Alan, have you guys seen The Collector? Post in the chat, tell us what you think. Nothing. <laughs> Guess not. But the, you don't see anything, but you do see his mouth. And the way the mask, I mean, for the first part of the movie, the mask, it's set straight. But when he messes up the mask for the rest of the movie, he looks like he's like sloth's retarded brother. He's like, yeah. It's like he messed up the mask and he had he couldn't put it on right. Right, right. Yeah, which, you know, it's kind of, it adds to that, you know, that disturbing, you know, kind of factor. It, it gives the disturbing factor, I think, you know, like, alright, he's kind of off-kilter, he's, you know, a little twisted. He's very, he's very creative, though, those, those, his, his and his, he's gotta be like one of those guys, like, uh, extreme house, house, uh... Oh, he's a handyman. Oh, he's a very handyman, yeah, I mean. He's, yeah, he's, he's, during the day, he is going into your house and, you know, putting up drywall and... You know, uh, yeah, he's handy. He's, he's building you, uh, you know, a bookcase, and, you know, he, he's one of those guys. Yeah, he's, he's adding things to the bookcase, like you pull a certain book out, a bunch of knives will fall on top of you, or if you pull on a scissors, you'll be flung into a wall, which... Right, yeah. Yep. Which no one notices, and it's like, really, you don't, you don't notice? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, if we're going to move forward, it, apparently the people that live in, in this house... Or any of the houses. Or any of the houses are very... Unaware of their surroundings, they are not observant. Uh, because I don't know about you, but uh, you know, I don't take a full scan of my, you know, any room that I walk into. But you, you can't help but see certain things. So you know. Yeah, true. Uh, so some of you're confused on what's going on. You're like, what? What's this movie about? Okay, how would you break this down into quick? Just the the, the premise. Without should we just or should we just read the jacket copy? Uh, we can do, yeah, we can do the jacket copy. Would you like me to, uh, read it? Go for it. Okay. For handyman and ex-con Arkin, a rare gem inside a supposedly empty house could be the ticket to his family's financial freedom. But when a masked psychopath makes it inside first, Arkin must either save the people he came to rob or become part of the killer's sick collection, cataloged in blood, bone, and tears. That's a terrible jacket copy. Yeah, that's that's a bit much. It's a bit much. It's it's just poor. It's it's really badly written too. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's um it, it, wrong it, place at the wrong time. <laughs> you know, kind of situation. Yeah, it, it would have been better just to leave the part of he has a choice of either you know that or no. It's the choices he either saves the family or he gets the fuck out of there and leaves them to their right. To their, to their, to his twisted devices. Right, right. That's what they should have put. They didn't. And that is the premise. It's, it's, he goes in because his wife owes people money. They don't say how much. 
She yeah, she owns a she owes money to a loan shark who in this movie is played by well, we assume it's played by uh that guy. That uh, guy. See, and that's the thing. You know, they they introduce this character shortly after, you know, she she makes mention of you know, owing money to this person. So you can only assume that it's this guy. You know, that's where the that's where the viewer jumps to their conclusion. Yeah, Robert Wisdom. And not, not to mention, but um, Handyman and ex-con? No, he's still a con. You know, he's still stealing, so therefore... Well, the thing was, they said that he was originally not going to... Well, I don't know. You don't know if he was originally, if he was going to go through with this, or if it was just he was setting up for. We don't really know. Yeah, initially, yeah, you don't know. But he certainly took enough inventory of what was going on, and, you know, the whole opening sequence of the movie is him, you know, you kind of get the sense that he's he's casing the joint. Like, he really, I mean, it's it's in him, you know, he's he's a, you know, he's an ex-con, um... Ex-con, well, that just means that you went to jail and you're no longer in jail. That doesn't mean that you're no longer a thief. But the thing was, at first it seemed like he wasn't going to do it. He was he was trying to be a little more... He was trying to better himself, and he actually had earned the money. He said, look, I it, jobs don't come around a lot, but I did... He earned the money, and it wasn't enough, so he had to... And he said, look, I know you, you helped me out in prison, but I got this thing I can figure out. In case, right. and, and he explained, you know, he kind of brings it to him, even though the guy's like, fuck you... We do it my way. And he's like, no, 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 You're not going to get in without me. Right. Okay, yeah, that's oh. true. And I'm surprised he went to, when he when he hustled him, I'm surprised he went for the hands. Because he's a thief. I mean, that's, if he's your best thief, why are you going to go for the hands? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. technically, if we want to be technical, that was the first injury. Which would right. Have been... Yeah. But he, he seemed to take it pretty, pretty well, actually. Yeah, well, he was, you know, he was pretty ballsy. And then it's, he goes in the house, and it's a typical house with... You know, you got the mom, the dad, and the two sisters. The one sister who's like nine, and the other sister who's a rebellious, we don't know year old. 16 going on 30. 16, 17. Now, she's old enough to have sex, and she has big tits. Yes, she's well endowed. And they're, you know, they they do they do well to, uh, to show you that right off the bat. Yeah, the camera was for the most part on her ass for the majority of the film. Like, just, mm. Yeah. I'm surprised it didn't do a pull, pull, uh, a push pull oh, yeah. shot of it. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been uh, a little heavy-handed, I think. They used that twice in the film. I'm surprised. Did they? they? I know they used it the one time in the uh, the limo. In the limo, yeah. And then when he first sees the wife, it does that. Oh, did he? Yeah. And it was a little, a little much. Kind of glossed over it. And um, actually, since we're going to that part, let's go into it. Um, what do you think about the film- filmography and the the lenses that they chose to use for the film? Because it was oversaturated. Yeah, certain parts of it was oversaturated. I, I couldn't tell whether or not they, you know, it was a, a choice that they used to go for this really overexposed look. Um, some of the lights seemed a bit hot to me. Like, wow, that's really the brightest, bluest moon ever. Um, I don't know. It, it seemed a bit, you know, a bit much to me uh, as far as the lighting goes. But, you know, the, the camera work was nice, for sure. Uh, it, looked, too it looked vintage. Though. Yeah, they, they tried giving it a, a kind of a gritty look, and they, they definitely achieved it. Yeah, it, it was a very pretty, not pretty, it was, it was horrific, but they, they, they focused on the right, there isn't much I would actually change with some of the shots, it wasn't the standard three-quarter shot, I think. Um, what, meaning like when they're showing people's faces? Or? Yeah. Um. They never did that, really, in the film. It was, uh, it was a little yeah. off, always. Yeah, I think, well, they, you know, they're, they're trying to, you know, preserve that, you know, disjointed kind of thing. So yeah, so they, you know, they they did some cool stuff, and you know, that one shot of them uh, showing above the wall, you know, like basically the ceiling, the looking down, the aerial shot of them, of the antagonist and the protagonist, kind of almost squaring off, but in between the door, but they don't know it. You know, yeah. that was a well done shot. Uh, it, it's it's almost like the mirror scenes you have you have like in it's bringing up face off where it was they're talking to each other and they're both in the you see they're both on it just the camera goes from one side to the other this was done a lot better yeah where it's just like okay it's almost like the chess pieces go Whoop. yeah yeah it was a, a pretty cool shot it was probably I think the best shot in the film I mean there were a couple of others but that's yeah. the the memorable is that scene because the rest of them are just too yeah for it I mean you also have a great soundtrack yeah. Uh, music was used effectively, I think. 
you know, some ambient sounds and music seemed a little off here and there, um, only because some of the the songs had screaming in it, and the screaming was taking place at the same time that you know a character was being tortured. So now I can't tell whether or not am I hearing. Actually, it was even the collector. It was like, is the collector screaming because yeah. he's trying to pull that thing, you know, that that blade at, chandelier at that, off himself? At that scene, yeah, yeah, it was. It was that. That was a. Uh, I think like a poor moment. I think to use one of those. Songs. I mean, I could see why they were trying to do it. It's kind of adding to it, but it didn't work effectively. Also, the other thing is that the film the sound effects sound beautiful. Yeah. The dialogue, ugh. Yeah, in the beginning of the film, it it uh, there was you know because obviously the middle of the film and you know towards the end there's really not that much dialogue anymore. It's all action, um, you know. But yeah, the beginning of the film, yeah, the 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 dialogue seemed a little a little light, a little like a little low in the in the. And even when I cranked level. up the volume, you still heard more of the background noise, and you heard all the sound effects, and then you'd hear them. <laughs> I tell you, I got fine. Yeah. 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 Everybody's so affected. Nobody can really. Nobody can talk normal, and everybody's yeah. gotta. Yeah. So. So. If, now, since we talked about that, now since we talked about the antagonist, the, the protagonist is actually pretty effective. He, he's collected. He's quick. He actually is smart in more ways than others. I mean, there's a scene right in the beginning where you show that he's actually he thinks, because. A bee lands on his hand as he's he's putting up a new. Uh, what do you say? It's a window guard. Yeah, yeah. He's putting up a window guard, and a bee lands on it. And he's smoking a cigarette, and he sees the, a bunch of other bees. He's a wasp nest, and you see him. He takes his cigarette, and he just starts blowing into the cigarette, making a bunch of smoke, and they just fly off. Yeah, uh, I would have uh, blown the you know the smoke on my hand, and then quick. And he continued to work. I mean, he's got a good work ethic. Um, I would have put that you know that that bar door up against it and walked away and been like, oh my god, I just survived. Well, he had a good world Remember, he kept going back back in the beginning. He's like, yep, gotta go back in. Oh, got someone screaming. Oh, I gotta hide. I'll go back and <laughs> go back and work some more. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, he, he had reasons. He didn't know if they were going to kill his wife or... Yeah, yeah. Ex-wife. Uh, well, the, you know, the, the the jacket says, you know, ex-wife. No, it says his family's financial... Uh, Freedom. The uh, movie says his wife. We don't know. Something said ex-wife, ex-con, ex-wife. I don't know. So we don't know. It's one of those ambiguous. It's it's his it's his baby mama. That's all it was. Right. The thing but, is, he, but he kissed her, and she allowed herself to be kissed. Yes. So right. you know you got to think like, all right, they may be separated or estranged for now, but they still love each other. But they still love each other, right? I'm surprised he didn't go straight up to the boss and say, "Look, give me the time." You know, other movies would have had him go to the loan sharks directly, even if. Robert, uh, what's his name, wasn't the loan shark. Other movies would have had him go to loan and look, I have a big score, let me take care of this, we'll call it that even. This didn't have that, which was a little yeah. different. What was the point in giving him a time limit, you know? Like, well, she needed the time. She needed the, She needed to have the money before midnight, but, I mean, what's the point? Yeah, well, you didn't know what would happen or if it was, because you said he was seven hours late, so he might need it before. We don't know. He could have been screwed anyway. We just don't know. Yeah, we just yeah. don't know. It just, it seemed like that was kind of glossed over. The story was a little bit glossed over just to get to the action, which is the the House of Horrors, which this guy booby-trapped every little thing. Yeah. And the amount of time it took would be forever. I mean, you know it's him, from who he actually is from the beginning. You kind of guess it, and you see the, well, actually, you don't, but when you do know, you, you get a little bit of, okay, he had some time to set it up, because they were supposed to be gone for the weekend, mm. and they have trapped in the house. Well, three of them do, and the other one is with her boyfriend doing God knows what until they get dumb. This is like Macaulay Culkin's Home Alone kid. Yeah. <laughs> Went crazy. So, yeah, so my question is, so there's an argument between the mom and the daughter, mm-hmm. the older daughter, and she says, I'm not going on vacation with you guys. So she fully expected to come home to nobody being in the house. Yeah. That's the assumption, right? Yeah. Okay. But then the front door is locked and the key isn't working. Right. Right. Well, she's a 17-year-old horny teenager. Right. She's not thinking straight. And the boyfriend wasn't a oblivious idiot. Well, yeah, you know, he was thinking with his dick, so... 
at the end he wasn't thinking. <laughs> <laughs> at the end he didn't have much going on for himself. <laughs> he was thinking, oh, ow, ow, ow. That that blade thing was the only thing which I was like, that would not have happened, though. No. No, that's ridiculous. It would have gone straight in, and then he would have freaked out. Yeah. But that went through. Yeah, it kind of, like, almost severed his hand in between the webbing there. You know, it was kind of weird. Yeah. And uh, the the other reactions were pretty good. I mean, you had some really good reactions. A lot of prosthetics in it. Yeah. A little bit too much. A little bit too much uh, caro syrup and blood. Some was really bad looking. Yeah, some of it. Well, yeah, some of it was a bit weak. Um, yes, uh, you know, getting smashed in the head with a door, and there's a lot of continuity errors. Like, guy gets thrown in the wa- on, into water on the ground, and in the next shot, he, there's no water, but then it goes back, and there is water. Yeah, I don't know why they they botched that one. It's like you know, it was such a quick flat. You know, it's a quick flash of him being dragged away. I mean, it was, you know, it was only on the screen for a split second, and, you know, I don't know, I guess, I don't know, maybe somebody forgot, like, oh, there was supposed to be water on the floor, right? Uh, but, you know, but the but, other option but is shooting to... it from underneath was really effective, though, you know, actually showing, you know, his, his face, you know, you know, it was, you know, that whole gag where it's, it's just a glass floor, you know, and... and yeah. You know, there's all this water, and you know there's the little flopping goldfish and everything. It was it was, it was pretty well done. Well, it was, and there was some really another choice scene is w- with the ambulance. Yeah, we're not yeah. gonna say when, but the ambulance, and then it flips over. And it's the camera's motioning, and I was wondering, is it a spinning room that you did it in? You think? I would think so. Yeah, 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 because that's the only way you could achieve that. I mean, because most guys could flung himself. Right. You know. Right. But yeah. you have you had all the other objects flying all over the place, and of course the. The big boy at the end, but there there was so much that was really good and really bad about this film. And now, what was the most effective trap or death in this film? I think the one that was the most. Um, what do you think the one that made me cringe the most? I think was the you know the razor blades on the boarded up windows. That one because that one you didn't expect. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't expecting that, and it really—I mean—they they lingered on it for quite a bit. You know, it wasn't a quick like he—he he, he was stuck. Uh, so I thought that was that one was probably the the one that creeped me out the most. The one that affected me the most was the fish hooks, because I've had actually I had when I was younger I was camping and I actually woke up one day got up and a fish hook got caught here. Oh no! You know now I got I got to take it back. I take it back was the. the the, the pin in the in the telephone receiver. Yeah. That was... Okay, okay. So, okay, okay, so, here's, so here's... And, and, and this is a, a throwback to back when I was 18. I was uh, dating a girl, and um, I had just gotten out of the shower, and I was cleaning my ears with the Q-tips. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm doing the, the double, you know. And the phone rang. And I forgot, absentmindedly, I forgot what I was doing. So I pick up the phone and I push it to my ear. Oh God! <laughs> and the next thing, I scream at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and then, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I, I quickly I yank out the Q-tip, you know, and <laughs> and I put the phone on my ear. It's a little tender. I think I probably switched to the other ear. And my girlfriend at the time was just like, "What happened?" And I was just like, "You don't want to know. You just don't want to know." And so I continue, you know, I'm, I'm talking to her, and then, like, uh, I get off the phone with her, and then, like, maybe, um, <laughs> maybe, like, uh, about a half hour later, my mom called, and she's like, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing, and I was just sitting there, like, you know, my, my ear was bothering me, you know? So I'm, like, sticking my finger in my ear, and of course, I pull back, and there's blood on my, <laughs> there's blood on my finger, and I'm like, oh, man, I did some damage here. And, I, you know, and it didn't even occur to me that I wasn't even hearing properly at that point. Yeah. So, hey, Mom, I think we got to go to the emergency <laughs> room. <laughs> and she's like, what? What happened? And I told her, and, you know, of course. Uh, yeah, they took care of it. So. Yeah, yeah. And, well, you know, she, you know, we drove to the emergency room, and uh, the doctor's like, yeah. Yeah, you punctured your eardrum. Um, you know, we're just going to give you some drops and, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll heal itself, but, you know, you're probably going to have like a certain percentage of hearing loss. Uh, it may be permanent, you know, so. <laughs> on the plus side, you can listen to death metal as much as you want now in that ear. No, uh, on the downside, I've had tinnitus and, yeah, you know, I've had tinnitus, uh, a horrible case of tinnitus, uh, in that side for like, you know, the past, uh, however many years that was a long time ago that sucks yeah yeah 
but yeah. So I felt it. So I felt when when that happened, I was like, oh god, that's awful. Yeah, no, no. that was he gets torn up in this movie, and he uh, does. Yeah. What was the? Unless she had the final the final count. Let's see now. Final count injuries to our protagonist. Right. His left hand gets all fucked up, and it gets a, 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 a trunk slammed on top of it. It gets stabbed, slashed. Right. It gets uh, hooked, where he rips the hooks out. Did it go? Did he? Were the hooks still in there when he, he got out? He, no, he he yanked them out. Whatever he could reach, he yanked out. It seemed like the ones that were attached to his back pulled themselves out. Basically, like he yeah. tore all the skin. Yeah, but yeah, but he just went. Yes, because yeah, 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 he used his weight to pull free, and you know, I, I don't think yeah. they were attached anymore. They stayed because they were secured to the board. Yep. the The right cheek gets slashed by invisible, uh, like razor wire, or razor something. wire, which yeah. was well done. It was it was monofilament wire. Yeah, like and it was like like maybe like a, uh, what is it like Garrett? Used, uh, like uh, it's like actually like um, it has diamond on it, or cause yeah. it's like a sharp. You know? Yeah, Garrett. It's it's the stuff that you use with the lawn, the you know, not lawnmowers, but the uh, the weed whackers. Yeah, weed whacker. It's but it was it's, you get slashed with that, and that was a cool scene because you didn't see it, and then you just see the light, right? And yeah. then he sees it once he gets cut on, and he's like, yeah, yeah. Then he starts to realize like, oh, wow, this place is um, pretty booby trapped. Yeah, at that point he he had already taken the damage to his hand though. Yeah, and yeah. he was he was kind of holding that, and you saw the the door and the other pieces and. But he had that, he had that, he had the back, he had the slash across his forehead, and he had... He got his tooth yanked out. And and he had bugs in his stomach. Right, yeah. That was that was pretty gross, that uh, that scene. Well, actually, the bugs, did they go in, or... They I were... don't know. I think I think they they were looking for a an Sit. escape, because he was setting the jar on fire. So, yeah, they were, they were looking for an escape. Whether or not they actually went into his... and burrowed into the wound that he created, the slash that he created, I doubt, because uh, I don't yeah. think there would have been room for them. Yeah, I'm more surprised that he, at the end, he was let to he, left to heal, unlike Larry. Oh, the guy in the box? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you, you know, you don't get a sense of how much time transpires between the very opening of the film and you seeing the, you know, the first family, you know, being victimized and the events that take place in, you know, in this house. So, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know how long Larry was in the box. Yeah, well, there was a significant amount of damage. Yeah. And it wasn't fresh. Right. The swollen feet, the Oedipal feet. Yeah, oh, God. But yeah, but there were some great traps in here, some very stupid traps, but a lot were very effective. That acid... The acid floor? The, the, the Roach Motel tacky floor acid? Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of ridiculous. That whole cat scene was kind of uh, a bit retarded to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, the continuity in, involving that whole cat sequence was really bad, badly done. And he ripped uh, off the cat's legs, and the cat was still able to jump. Yeah, yeah. He Well, I think it was like he, he lifted the cat, and I think that it basically just left the skin behind, the, the, the belly skin. You fur. saw blood, though. Yeah, you down. see blood, and then, you know, he throws him up there, and the cat is fine. And believe me, I know that a cat would, you know, would, would probably survive something like that, if, or at least for the next few minutes or whatever. But and then, know, it was just it was too much. Like, just, just guys, yeah. you could have... You could have simplified that whole situation, but they needed to feed the whole, you know, like, like, or he comes into the room and he sees, you know, he obviously knew that the cat must have been in there, but then he looks up and he sees that other half on the floor and, you know, the blood splatter on the window, you know, the, the guillotine window and, ah, you know, whatever. The movie was crazy. Yeah. So, all right. So what do you, so what was, who's your MVP and LVP for the movie, you think? Who was used the best, who was not used at all? Um, I think the, I think, you know, our, our protagonist would be my, my guess. I think he, he did pretty good, you know. Um, it was believable, uh, what he was going through. Um, and I, I don't know, I think, uh, least Marcellus Kingpin, I don't know. <laughs> I thought he was kind of lame. You know? Yeah, he was just thrown in there, there's no reason why. He was yeah, just... I don't know. I didn't get a sense that the, the guy was good at, you know, at his craft. Yeah, I, I really want to give it to um, to the guy who played Arkin, which is a really bizarre first name, mm-hmm. but I'm going to have to give it to the collector because he's just, it's 
it was one of the roles where it's all body language. Hmm. And his body language is sinister and it's unrepenting and it's literally, and you have questions, but there are no answers in this film. You don't know why he's doing this. You don't know what this is. You don't know why certain words give him the reactions that they do. Hmm. Why he was relentless and then he, you know, he'd stop because of that. Right. You right. don't know why. Yeah. I think one of the, the best scenes of him was like him watching, you know, the two teenagers about to uh, to get busy on the table there. You know, it just it was it was like what a creep. Yeah, because on the one hand you're wondering if he's just waiting for them to go through a trap, or if he's actually just being a voyeur and watching them go at it. Just oh, I, I think he was totally waiting for the trap to get sprung. Um, but I think he was ready to pounce on the girl, you know, because once she recovered from the the shock of her, you know, boyfriend being, you know, you know, eviscerated, you know. Yeah, he was going to pounce on her and do what he wanted to if he right. was. Or maybe he just was going to torture her because I don't know if he does because those sociopaths don't really because he wasn't really shocked or worried when she was dead. He just kind of looked, mm. twisted his head, and then he went back looking for the, for the collection piece, which... I think it would have been the little girl originally. Uh, what? Who he left alive? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I get the impression that he probably would have left uh, an adult alive. Uh, I think you know the adult carries the message. You know. Uh, but he killed all the adults, so there was no one left. Well, he unless killed, he left he, Larry. He killed the father, and he left a mom ready to die. But he had the. He had no, but. It wouldn't be Larry because then that wouldn't make sense. It's like every, you know, like the, the chain has to keep continue. They're the, you know, he yeah. has to take somebody from this house to be the bait for the next house. Yeah. Um, and I don't understand why, why was Larry put in that closet, you know, in the, in the box, but in the closet? Like, how is he bait then? You know, like. That's how they originally found him and then he just shoves him in there. But in the sequel, slight spoilers, he collects the best of them and he augments them. It's very human centipede-esque. Okay. All right. All right. Which I, completely destroys the whole premise of him being just an unstoppable... Right. Unthinking, illogical... Right. Well, unthinking, I don't well, think. Well, yeah, not unthinking, because he was very calculated in his traps, but, you know, but illogical in why he's doing what he's doing. I don't know. I don't get, this, I don't get the impression that he would have left a little kid alive, you know? I think, I think it would have been an, an adult. I think it probably would have been the daughter. I think he was just waiting, you know? Yeah, well, Arkin, now at the point when Arkin had an opportunity, should he have taken him out? Should have, well, you know, my my thought is always he could have taken him out. Like he had like two or three opportunities to take him out. Once game's up, as soon as I see that the guy is only carrying a knife, I'm gonna take my chances. You know, you don't wait till the guy has a shotgun. You know, like he all he needs to do is level the. He doesn't even need to aim that thing. You just need to shoot. You can shoot the floor. And the scatter will still tear you apart, you know. So I don't know. I would have I would have pounced on that guy much much sooner. Yeah, but, I don't know. Because once he threw out the three the three knives in the room with the electrified water, then you would have she should have went for him with something. Right, right. God, I'm I'm so glad they didn't use like bullet time or anything for those knives. That would have been that would that would no that was it would have bailed been. I think. I'd have been like, oh come yeah. on. Yep. So out of our five point rating system, now for those of you who don't know, we have a five point rating system. Our highest rating being really, really, really fucking cool. If you don't watch this movie now, your brain will freeze, your eyes will swap and your soul before fit to the ninth layer of hell be forced to watch episode one for all eternity while Jar Jar Binks says Miss, I love you, Miss, I love you. while rubbing your soldiers and you're forced to walk through a murder house. And our lowest rating, which is protest outside your local red box, so no one rents this reprehensible piece of shit. Now, out of our ratings, let me pull up the little thing, and for those of you who are in the chat, um, just give me a sec. So out of our five-point ratings, what would you give? 2009's The Collector. I think I'm going to go middle of the road here. Um, Worth watching once in theaters and DVD? On DVD. I would not pay... Well, you know, the, the premise of this... I would not pay to go see in the theaters, but yeah, I, I, yeah, watch it once, watch it once, and uh, you know, so you know, so that you can uh, and talk to other people about this film and like we are doing. And uh, so, I think this it. is more of a party film. You watch it with a bunch of friends, and you just yeah, yeah, and you debate. Now, here's a, what. So overall, what was your well? What would have made this better? What made it worse? What was your you know overall? 
What would have made it better? Like overall, your overall interpretations is it like what was made it great? What made it? You know. Um. I guess what would have made it a little bit better for me was to try to. I don't know, like, I need to know a little bit more about the collector, you know? Um, I'm never really happy when it's um, when it's a character that's being uh, given the opportunity to give all the exposition, which Larry, you know, he basically falls out of the trunk and he's like, blah, 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 you know, he's taking, you know, he's he's keeping one of us alive and, you know, why did he leave alive and I'm the bait and, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a bit much. Um, I'd like to learn that for myself. You know, I want to figure it out for myself. I don't want to be told that. If he just said, I'm the bait, and that's it, you think it would have been better? Yeah, I think I would have appreciated, like, you know, let, let me figure it out. You know, let me dwell on it. You know, after the movie's over, I'm going to keep thinking about it, and I'm going to keep, you know, you know, it's going to keep, you know, circling in my head, and I'm going to be like, yeah, okay, all right, all right, I got it, okay, okay, you know. And, and then after that point, you know, I'll, I'll you know, make assumptions and allow myself to believe, like, all right, he would have had time to set up all those traps, you know, really, were, were they that difficult? He just wire-tied some knives to the chandelier, that that would take you five minutes to do. Um, mm, setting up the tripwire would have taken a while, because you have to disconnect the chandelier and... Eh, you know... I don't know. The projection one now was just complete bullshit. That was yeah, that's a lot. That's that's a bit much. That's I mean, the one with the the stairs, you just flip the staircase around. That's all it was. Yeah. And right. just add a couple of nails. Right, right, right. Bear is traps that what it was? just because it wasn't wood added to it, right? It was just No, you flipped it around and they just you had added nails to it. Right, right, right. The projector was bullshit and uh that's the only real bad one. Yeah, I mean, there were some continuity issues. And, you know, and you always have to suspend a little bit, you know, because it's like, okay, how come our protagonist um, can go down in the basement and, you know, he heard noises coming down, coming from the basement. He goes down to the basement and he gets, uh, he gets sprinkled with, you know, dust coming from in between the floorboards while the, you know, while, Aunt, you know, the the collector is walking above him. But how come that doesn't happen when he's the one on the first floor and, you know, the collector is underneath? Well, I'll give him this reason. Because the collector's a chubby boy. He's a little bit of a... He's, he's a hefty guy, and our our protagonist is a thief. He's spry. Yeah. But you knew he knew he was in the house when he drops the bag right in front of him. Just like... Right. Yeah. Right. It's For me... I'm gonna agree with that. It's, it's a worth watching once in theaters or on DVD. It's a decent movie. It's interesting. It, the premise is what drew me to this movie: the fact that it's a guy breaking into a house and he stumbles upon a situation, and it's, it is the moral dilemma of should he just get the fuck out of the house or does he help the family out? Right. And that's what compelled me to watch the movie. And the movie is. It's intriguing. It's interesting. There are a lot of plot holes in it. There are a lot of inconsistencies, and there is some errors with it. But the visual effects are, are really good, even though it is a little grainy and seems like it was made a little bit before the 2000s. And a couple of the scenes are very, very shock-inducing because they're very creepy. I mean, some are just stupid. Like, there's one where, in the beginning, where just for the needle factor, oh, the wife... Injecting Botox into her, into her uh, forehead. Forehead, yeah. I mean, I understand. They're going for the, the needle, but they could have done that. They did it better with the later on. Yeah. Yeah, they were just kind of setting the tone there a little bit, you know. Like, it hey, was. A, this is about the lightest you're gonna see in this movie. Yeah, spring-loaded cat and poorly. That, done. that wasn't. I don't know. I don't think that was done very effectively because you know you, you see the, the the size of the needle, the length of the needle, and how she jammed it into her forehead. It would have came out. She, I think she would have stuck herself in the finger, you know, like. No, she 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 went in. You she went in at an angle. She squeezed it, and then did the. Generally, you go on the angle, but still, I agree. It was. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I don't think you know. I know for a fact that the needle lengths that they that they use for Botox are like that long, because you only have to break you know the very top layer of the skin. Yeah, yeah. You're just you're you're putting in a virus in your forehead, which most people don't realize that Botox is actually a virus. Yes, it's a virus. Yeah, it's going to cause an inflammatory reaction, and uh, hey, good luck. Hey, eventually your face will fall out, and you look like Jar Jar Gabor. Oh he's like, gosh. oh, she's so hot. No, she looks like a fucking monster. Yeah, yeah, she's kind of creepy looking. Right? <laughs> she's like, nah. Uh, 
that it reminds me too much of a, of a Penny Arcade comic where you see um, uh, the what's his name Gabe gets stung by a bee and he's like I it's like I've never been stung by a bee before I wonder if I'll get superpowers he's like no I and go, it pans to the other guy he's like no I think you're allergic to bees and it goes back to Gabe he's all swap he's like <laughs> I am bee man. <laughs> It's like that would happen. It's a, it's it's a crazy film. It's a yeah. intriguing film, and I do recommend the sequel. The sequel is more preposterous, more bizarre, okay. you know, a little bit more interesting. And we may review it on the podcast. It should be fun. Yeah, right. It should be really good. And if you if you do watch this, there are you know there there is a stinger. So yes, stick, stick around. There's a really it's it's not a good stinger. Yeah, it's not a good one. But it's not a bad one either. It's uh. TBC? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, if there wasn't a sequel, it would be it would be it would be a little more suspenseful though. Right. And you know, the in the in the extra stuff you have the uh, the alternate ending uh, which was a load of bull crap. I think I think what, what that would have made labeled, it a thirty minute film. I think yeah, I think what they labeled as an alternate ending was probably just a blooper. Like not even a blooper, but it was like a, a you know, like a calculated blooper like you know, they they did the take, and he just you know he 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 sticks him up, and then he he walks away, and then everybody on the set laughs because you know it was unplanned. Um, I don't think that that was a real alternate ending because I mean, you know they 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 try to set the tone, you know, with with you know with him like explaining to the dad, you know, at first that you know I have a daughter myself, and you know at first you're like, is he making that up just because you know he doesn't want to get labeled as a pedophile, um, <laughs> but. You know, but then, you know, you meet his daughter, and, you know, he's giving her the teddy bear. Which he and, asked you know, He's a family girl. man, and, you know, and he's got the ex-wife, or whatever the hell she is. So, of course, you can't lay all that on me, and then have him flip the little girl, the bird, and then walk away from the situation. It just, there's no way that that would work. It, it wouldn't work. And the other thing is, he was, but he was on a ticking time limit. And the thing is, that's something this movie was good with, is the fact is, it was, the time, it wasn't expanded time. It was, you knew he had, like, an hour. And the, and all of it took place in forty minutes. And I he got out. He had two minutes left. I, I you know like I, I just I don't get the whole reason with the whole time thing because really did after everything that he went through he really thought that he was gonna hook up with his wife at midnight and give her. Well, I mean he he had to go to the guy first because yes. then he would give him the money. He had to call, and him. then he could take the money to her. A, so a better alternate ending. Spoilers. Would have been if it was a little girl and and he hits the car and takes a little girl. Mm. That would have been a better alternate ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we spoiled this movie for you, but still, uh, it's it's uh, it's you, you watch it to watch the horribleness. That's why you watched Hustle to watch the guy in the bathroom get his Achilles heel cut off because yeah. he was a dirt bag, or cutting off his own leg at the ankle or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I hate these movies so much. <laughs> I really do. They're they're fun to watch, but I hate them so yeah, much. You've seen one, you've seen them all. That's the way I feel. I mean, there's some other movies which are really just out there, but these are some of the good ones, you know. These are some of the ones you watch and you're like, yeah, this is gonna be a good movie. This is gonna be crazy. And but before I forget, remember you can check us out at www.sparker.com. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Uh, you can comment on us. You can download us stuff from iTunes. Leave us a comment on iTunes. What you think about us? How good we are? How much you hate us? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And Remember, you can check out the final episode of Haywire the Series at haywireseries.com. We've been in. All right, I wrote down the numbers. Yep. So, is that probably only for what am I talking about? I'm talking about that one, that only, Dodecahedron of Movies. Yes, folks, a Dodecahedron of Movies. Now, a Dodecahedron is a 12-sided object, specifically a dice. And what we've done is we've assigned nine movies to this 12-sided object, and we're going to roll that Dodecahedron of Movies, and we're going to lands on... That's what we're reviewing in the next episode of the Spark and Movie Review. And we got some great titles up on here. We got we have a little bit of sci-fi. We got comedy. We have post-apocalypse, which technically should be in our post-apocalypse, but we will keep this over here. We have Seven Samurai, surprisingly on here. We have a movie about uh, Midget. We have two noir films. We have a film about aliens and cotton candy. And I'm going to buy cotton candy for that episode. Okay. 
That's really gross, though, because what the kind of candy does, you're just like... Yeah, it's like a, some sort of flesh-eating pod. <laughs> or, should, or should we get pies? What are you going to do with those pies, boys? <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, he just goes, I wouldn't like that, you see? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, after you see what they can do. But those two brothers were not that bright. Right, no, no. But they hooked, they, uh, what, I don't know what type of STD they got in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> and then a physics film, which unfortunately we'll see if I find someone to watch it with. So roll that one that only the Joe Dickey John movies zero reviewing. Remember, if it's a ten, it's your choice. If it's okay. eleven, it's roll again. If it's twelve, it is my choice. I will be rolling this on the case for the collector. Should put on number three. Okay, so in the next episode of the Spark Movie Review, we're reviewing, reviewing a movie about a little person. Who's in a bunch of movies, and he always plays a little person, because he has no choice. <laughs> I would like to see him play something else, like him just be like, he, he's going to be the voice of a giant man. <laughs> like in Jack the Giant's Slayer, he should have been the voice of the lead giant. Yeah. That would have been trip. Him and Kenny Baker. Did you see that? Did you go see that? No. Oh. I heard it's, I heard it's decent. Yeah? Mm. So, um, there were no real quotes for this movie, so I don't even think we're going to say it. No. But what was your favorite moment from this movie? Um, my favorite moment from this movie would have to be... Favorite moment is... I don't know. I guess maybe my favorite moment of this movie would be um, the the shot that we talked about where the two uh, characters are, you know, it's an aerial view of the two of them, not squaring off, but, you know, kind of like one is hiding and one is searching, and I don't know. It was a cool, cool moment. I agree, uh, but I'm going to say that is my greatest moment, but the weakest moment is first spring-loaded cat in a minute and 27 seconds and point zero one. Yeah. Because that was just, they could have they could have just had him just say, oh my god, and then just went to black. Right. But they didn't do that. They had to show him in the background. Yep. And his wife just stand there like, huh? Yeah. Really? Just, huh? Really? So I guess that's just for this episode. So again, Lou, thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. It's always a pleasure, and I'll see you guys next time. And uh, as usual, we're Gonsville. Check us out at the website, and have a good day. Uh, we are killing the actual recording for the episode right now. We're going to be on for a little longer.
vacation out here. I picked the jobs, you picked the lots. We pick up the prize together. That's a routine. You need me to think about that woman of yours. And that little pretty girl of yours. And you've been casing that family's house for months. You think the family is going out of town? You found the safe. Now, what was that request of yours? Be so kind. I'm gonna fucking kill you! I'm gonna fucking kill you!